Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. Now, I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who was nominated for a Grammy earlier this year for Best Country Song. He makes us sound like angels. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, go to Spotify and look up our playlist, And The Writer Is, or go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. And last thing, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on whatever your preferred podcast listening site is, whether it's iTunes or it's one of the others. We appreciate that effort and thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's writer and artist is one of the most successful in the last 10 to 15 years. She's really remarkable on a number of levels. But let's start by what I just said. She... The songwriting industry isn't filled with women like it should be. I would say that there should be as many female writers as there are female artists, which tends to be about 50-50. But that's not what it is. It tends to be more of a boys club. And yet Bonnie's been able to hold her own with the very best of the boys. Dr. Luke, Max Martin, Benny Blanco. And she's been able to do that while writing lyrics with the biggest artists, Katy Perry, Britney Spears, etc. And yet what she's done that's most impressive, in my opinion, is that she's taken her money and put it where her mouth is. Which is really difficult. I think a lot of people who say they want to be artists, they're waiting for that record label to do all the work. But no, Bonnie goes and she gets her music videos made. She gets her licenses for her songs. She gets her radio play. And she does it because she believes in herself. And that's the only way you're going to make it if you're an artist. You have to believe in yourself first and foremost. But when she is writing for other people, she always brings her A-game, always brings in 100%. And that's why the stuff that she writes with Katy Perry, who's also a great writer, why that stuff sounds so authentic, and why it sounds so big. See, when Bonnie shows up, she's not trying to write a pop song, she's trying to write the best song. Anyway, I want you to hear from her. So without further ado, here is Bonnie McKees, and the writer is... I'll do the proper intro that I have prepared for you. Okay, ready? Let's go. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. Today's artist has not only developed her own artist career, but has been instrumental in the development of many others. She's written 10 number one songs and has received a Grammy nomination for Song of the Year. She's written with the titans of the music industry because her lyrics are unmatched. 
From the Pacific Northwest, this writer paints with words as evident in some of her classic copyrights. And the writer is the only person I've ever written a song with in Adelta Lounge, Bonnie McKee. <laughs> Hello. Cool. Was it 10 songs, right? 10 number yeah. one songs? Mm-hmm. Two of them were in the UK, but... Who's, but who's counting? who's counting? Do you have platinum records for all of them, like plaques? No. Do you have plaques at all? Mm. I have one plaque for Dynamite. In my uh-huh. in my house, and then I have a plaque for all of the Katie songs. Do they send like them to you, one. or do you have to buy them? I had to buy them. Yeah, that's the biggest sham in the yeah, music industry. It's really ridiculous. I try to like cope with it by just not buying them. Yeah, but then I sit there and I'm like, <laughs> I really want one because you know, twelve year old yeah. me would be really disappointed if he knew that thirty yeah. five year old me is. I feel not weird about. about I mean, because I have all these BMI awards and stuff too, right? And I just. They're just kind of sitting on the floor in my house. Like, I don't really hang them up. Right. I have a couple of them up just because I'm like, eh, I did stuff. Sure. But I feel self-conscious about it. And I also, I have this Katy Perry plaque that has, like, all these crazy numbers on it or whatever. And it's beautiful and has, like, the cover of Teenage Dream and everything. But it's huge. And I'm like, I don't really want this in my house. Like, I don't really need to look at that every day. And I don't really know if I want it in my studio, like, hanging over me. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) So I'm like, do I really want to, like live and die by that like not really so. it's funny a lot of people say that that if you have the um either the plaques act as a demotivator mm. they may like impress a lot of people when mm-hmm. they walk in but for you they can also be a demotivator because you look at it and you think uh, i mean either i've already done this yeah or you're sitting there being like how do i match this again? yeah absolutely yeah it's a weird mind fuck kind of so it's it's just like turned backwards on the floor against the wall of the studio does that scare you the idea of feeling like you have to match that era for you? Um, It doesn't scare me. I mean, every time I write a song, I'm like, will I ever write a good song again? And right. Or like every time I've ever had a hit, I'm like, is this the last hit I'll ever write? Because it very well could be. You know, the fact that I've had any hits at all is a miracle. Right. So I'm really blessed to have had so many. Um, And, you know, there's a good chance that I might never write a hit again. You know, that's like statistically speaking, pretty right. likely. Right. So I have to like make peace with that. Do you know when you write a hit? I think I know. (laughs) I think I write hits all the time. Yeah. And then no one else hears it. And I'm like, oh, I must be crazy. Well, I mean, obviously some people hear it because you've done it 10 times. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's different, though, writing a hit when you're not in the room with Max Martin. Right. Because when you're in the room with Max Martin, everyone's like, oh, this is a hit. Yes. Well, Max Martin wrote on it, so it's a hit. Right. And they're right. Sure. Um, and it's just different when you're doing it on your own and kind of building a name for myself just as a, sure. a songwriter on my own without right. the, the dream team, so to speak, is what we called it, me and Katie and Max and Luke. Yeah. Um, it's it's harder to tell if it's a hit or not because you right. don't have that kind of stamp of like the, the godfather sure. of pop on right. it, you know? Yeah. Have you had, have any of the the 10 songs been without them? Yes, two of them. Um, How We Do for Rita Ora uh-huh. and... Um, I don't care for Cheryl Cole. What did that feel like having those? Did, did those have a different feeling because you did it on your own? Yeah, I was really proud of it. Um, the I Don't Care song, which, by the way, was not the title that I wanted for it. My title was called Waking Up Diagonal, which is a much more interesting <laughs> that's, title. That's really funny. Um, and it, that song really was originally funny. for me. And um, I wrote it oh, with yeah. uh, Johnny Newman, who's a uh-huh. very dear friend and yeah. um, one of my favorite co-writers. Sure. And um, Jokja from the Teddy Bears in Sweden, where we do, we've done a bunch of stuff together. Right. And um, 
So it was both of their first number ones. So I was very happy for that. But I was heartbroken to give it up. I really did not want to give it up. And they changed a few lyrics to kind of more suit her. And I was like really, really bummed about it because I wanted it for myself. And I wrote it from a personal place. Right. Um, But, you know, I was not going to rob them of that. And then they both got to have a number one song. So, you know, I was just trying to be a team player. But still, when I hear it, I cringe. Are you able to celebrate the success of... You know, when you have a number one song, are you celebrating or is it sort of, I mean, I, when you have that many, it's hard, it's kind of, is there like, em, is there empathy fatigue? Well, you know, it's funny. Or because now, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's funny. I have been seeing, you know, Julie Michaels and, and Justin Chandler sure. have been having great success. Yeah, I'm so happy massive. for them. And, yeah. you know, he's been working for so long. I've been a fan of his yeah. since his band. Um and I see them like having lots of number one parties on uh-huh. on the internet. You know sure. how you look at other people's yeah. lives. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I I don't know that I ever had a number one party. Right. Like I never got a party. I'm just like, so maybe I'll just throw a pity party and just be yeah. like, well, poor we... me. I never <laughs> got in my ten number one party. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. There's a there's oh my god, I shouldn't say that I know this, but I do. In Sex in the City when <laughs> when Carrie has a, a uh, like a non-bridal shower or non, non-baby non shower because uh-huh. she was like, everyone else has to keep buying gifts for everybody else. But she, <laughs> what if she doesn't want to get married? What if she doesn't right. want to have a kid, you know? Like, can't you be like, you know, this is my, this is my, you could throw a party yeah, for Yeah, let's just throw reason. a party because we're creative people and we, you know, right. pull things out of thin air. We're magicians, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. We should just have magic parties. Yeah. I always say it's, that we're illusionists because we... Um, people think it's magic, mm. but we're sitting there, mm. you know, we're sitting there really calculating oh, yeah. how it sounds so that way you think it's magic. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I also, you know, every once in a while you, you hit when that one song is just amazing. And it's that's where it's you do all the math correct on a lot of songs mm-hmm. and you think it's a hit. But it just doesn't have the magic in yep, it. There I mean, is maybe magic. that is the magic in it. It's the illusion that works is yeah. magical. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Well, I definitely remember after we wrote Teenage Dream, we were listening back to the vocal after Katie cut it. And I was in the room with Max Martin. And we just listened to it. And the song finished. And he looked at me and he said, I wish we could bottle this feeling. And I was wow. like, what feeling? And he was like, when you know you wrote a hit. And I was like, is that what this feeling is? Yeah. Oh, okay, because nothing had come out yet, you know. Did you know that that was, um, at that point, had you had, you had had other hits at that point, no. right? None of the songs had come out no, yet? No, nothing had come out yet. So, that's really funny. I was in a session this weekend with a girl who had never been in a session with, a with like, a big artist. Mm-hmm. And it was, she came in and she said the last day to the artist, and she goes, this is the best weekend of my life. Oh. You know, and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is, I know it's special. I don't want to say that I take it for granted, but mm-hmm. you don't realize when you're with Max Martin, period, that's mm-hmm. it. That could be the end of the yeah, story, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, but you don't realize what kind of opportunity that is. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I remember when I went up to, we we recorded all those songs in Santa Barbara and when I wrote them, I was broke, like no right. cell phone. My cell phone got turned off. Right. I didn't have a car. I had to borrow my boyfriend's car to drive up there. Right. And actually when I got there, my cell phone was turned off and I didn't even know how to find everyone. I'm like wandering around the four seasons in Santa Barbara, like, well, I hope I run into Katie. Like, and, um, yeah. And you go to the desk and you're like, by any chance, yeah. <laughs> they're like, you? I and they're like, I don't I can think. tell you that. Yeah, right. Um, but luckily I found them and we went in and, and cut teenage dream or, you know, continued to write it that night. Sure. And, um, you know, I was 
living in a shithole apartment in LA at the time. And, and then I go into this beautiful suite with like a huge bathtub and like the mini bar is all set up and like, you know, everything's all perfect. And I got in the bathtub and just cried tears of joy. Oh yeah. cute. (laughs) I just was like, finally. But how do you get the invite? Um, I knew Katie from years before we were, um, both starving artists together before she was Katy Perry. Did she know, you know, trouble? Did she know your yes, early, like, actually, did yeah. she know like baby Bonnie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she knew baby Bonnie. Um, she actually, that's how we met. Um, I had put out an album on Warner Brothers right? and, um, I was, I lived off of Melrose and I was at Wasteland on Melrose uh-huh. selling clothes because I was running out of my record right. advance money. And, um, she approached me and said, you're Bonnie McKee, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm a big fan of yours and I love your song. Uh, Confessions of a Teenage Girl. It's it inspired my song One of the Boys, and I was like, oh, cool. And we were kind of fast friends, and That's I listened to it, and was like, oh yeah, like we we have kind of similar style. Was she signed at the time? Uh, so is she like, hey, this is one of my songs. You're like, I have no idea who you are. Or is this sort of like, <laughs> I have, I wrote a song that's, that was inspired by you and I'm signed to Capitol and I think I've she, got like, I think you know, she had just gotten dropped or she was just about to get dropped from her first record wow. deal. Um, who, I don't, I didn't, I forgot she had it. Who was her first deal with? I don't, you know? I don't remember. But she get love? Yeah. I have no idea. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, so she was just like, yeah, I'm a big fan and. We were fast friends and would just get wasted together a lot yeah. and go shopping and right. you know trade ideas and tell each other all our secrets. Right. And then um, she met Luke and they made the first album. Right. And then they called me on on the second one. That's crazy. Were you at this point signed as an artist? I was signed when I met Katie, and then I got dropped shortly thereafter from Warner. Yes. And then how does that work when you get a call to go in and work with Katie, who you're friends with? How did that, tell me about that time a little bit. Um, Well, some time went by when she was making the album where we weren't speaking for a minute. and That second album? No, the first one. Oh, the first one. Because the second album was Teenage Dream. Right. Um, And and then Luke wanted to sign me, and I was signed to Pulse. He wanted to sign you as an artist? Um, Yeah, and as a writer. And so he, the first thing he brought me in on was Katie. How did he know about you? From Katie. Interesting. Yeah. So then you guys aren't talking just socially or? It's a long story, but we worked it out. Okay. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. And then you go in, um, Luke brings you in to be a writer and you go in and you have your first meeting with Luke. What's that like? Um, I had met him socially with Katie out. Um, I remember the first time I met him, he was wearing like, a tracksuit. Nice. Like, cool. Really yeah. mid 2000s, like yeah. hip hop. Like run, D- run DMC <laughs> sort of style. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and yeah, he brought me in. I think I did some like practice sessions with him sure. where he kind of brought me in and threw me some like throwaway tracks to see sure. what I could do. Sure. And then he brought me in on the Katie stuff. They had started Part of Me. And um, so Part of Me was f- Part of Me, the song? Yeah. So that's before all the other mm-hmm. ones? Part of me was the first song that wow. I wrote with them. So they had started it, but they got stuck. And so uh-huh. he called me in. I don't think Katie wanted me there. I know Katie didn't want me there. Um, she, because we have, we've always had a healthy rivalry. Sure. It's like sisters, you know? Right. Um, but it's nothing but love. She's been very supportive yeah, yeah. of me. And I'm of incredibly grateful. So sure. no hard feelings. No, it's just girl, but, you know, gr- girls that have been friends for years. Totally. Going yeah. through. 
I think if people haven't lived in Hollywood, it's also hard to understand being in your in your early twenties in Hollywood. Yeah, because that that uh-huh. will it's a Shark Tank. I'm still close with all my friends from then, but even guys like you're just it's like a, this weird uh, ego mm. battleground of yeah. of people trying to make it both career wise, socially, mm-hmm. personally. And you have these moments of just, it's just clawing through your early 20s, surviving off of selling air for a living or <sighs> being an actor and your whatever it is. And you just, the stories that you have from being in Hollywood yes. are just nuts it if really you lived is. in your 20s there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intense. It's very intense and very competitive. And, you know, I think it's kind of like keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Right. And a lot of yeah. where you're like, oh, what's this person up to? I right. want to know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you so, get called in and, and they're working on part of me and you're like, oh yeah, I know the answer. Yeah. I came in and they were stuck <laughs> and she was kind of like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, and like, I was like, Oh, so you got engaged. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Lots happened, huh? And then she was like, look, I'm exhausted. Just give it a shot. Like I'm gonna leave yeah. you here overnight. See what you can do. Where you, this was in Santa Barbara? No, this was at Conway. Okay. And, I mean, she knew I was talented. She was obviously a fan from the beginning, and uh, we have very similar styles. There's a difference. It made sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she left me there overnight. I literally was at Conway all night. I think it was the first time I ever worked at Conway. And um, and they – and I I don't know. I cracked the code. I cracked the code on it, and they came back in the morning, and she was like, let's see what you did. And she listened to it, and she was like, okay, okay. And she's like, you're getting a car. You're getting yeah. a car. We're going to get you a car. And That's she, so cool. And then it was like we were back to being best friends, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was when we knew it was a good chemistry. Right. You know, because she didn't. I change. mean, that's the last song out of it that were the singles in the in the run of singles. Yeah. That was like the last of that album, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on the deluxe. I think I don't know if it was on the actual album itself. Or it was and on it's the still on number one. It's just yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. At that point, I guess you're just shitty number one, so <laughs> so to speak. I don't well, know. Just There's probably the- another way to say that. Sorry, <laughs> I was just in the in the right room with the right people. You know, it was like that person. Yeah, no, storm. that but that's not real. That's not how that works. Because I've been in the room with a lot of the right people before, and it doesn't. You know, it also, it also could have been me, but <laughs> but that's the point. Is that if I'm in that room. As much as I'd like to think that, yeah, I could round out a room with Luke and Max and Katie, and yeah, I, I could just come in and do those lyrics. I can't. That's not what I do. And those aren't the lyrics that I do. I, it isn't uh, a given that just because you're in the room with those people that you write a hit, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there has to be a moment, especially with something like Teenage Dream, which is, uh, you had obviously a ton of hits on that record. But that record seems to be the one that everyone goes back to. Mm-hmm. You know? That's not a throwaway lyric. That's not, uh, I just showed up and wrote a lyric. Mm-hmm. That must have taken so much time. Yeah, right? it did, yeah. Teenage Dream was one of the most difficult songs I've ever had to write um, for many reasons. One is that we we rewrote it Five times there were five versions of it with completely different lyrics. From do you remember the other lyrics? Yes, one of them was um, we knew we wanted it to be a nostalgic love song, and so one of them was I don't know we we always give Katie like a she gets the first run at it, and then if it works then they keep it obviously, and then if she wants my help then they call me. 
Um, and so it was, um, you make me feel like I'm born again, all brand new, come on, Peter Pan. And it was about like eating ice cream for breakfast and like, but it was all, it was very young. And then we tried one that was like, was something about like, try me on. It was kind of like dress you up in my love, like sort of like a clothing shopping girly thing. But again, it was just a little young, you know? Try me on. Yeah. Uh, Yep. uh, Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, (laughs) You hear it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then just some kind of more bland throwaway versions. And then I, I had to like really sit down with myself and be like, this is like, this is your shot. It was like my Eminem eight mile moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I went off by myself and just like studied and just like, I was like, what, what's nostalgic? What was it like for me? Like, what was my first love like? And I went back into my own nineties adolescence and thought about like, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes and like me thinking about my first kiss and what I wanted it to be like with the disco light in the room and the gap scented candle and you know all these things gap scented (laughs) candle (laughs) heaven was my favorite (laughs) and um and you know I just kind of tried to go back to that that time when when love and and kissing and stuff was like so magical right and I remember I I actually watched an episode of my so called life Uh uh-huh and there was one episode, like, after she had her first kiss with Jordan Catalano or whatever, she's, like, in class, like, daydreaming, like, you know, not paying attention. And, and her in, internal monologue is, like, when it comes to time, there's there's time when you're kissing and there's time when you're not kissing. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's what it feels vibe. like. Yeah. Where it's, like, everything yeah. in your world just goes away except for right. that one moment. So I wanted to try to capture that. And um, also I was talking to Benny Blanco about it because he made the track. And he was like, I don't know, something kind of young and whatever. And he was like, check out this band, The Teenagers. And there was like some song by The Teenagers. It's like a French group. It was literally just them talking like Valley Girls. Right. I was like, oh my God, I went to the mall and like this thing happened and da 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 da. And then I was like, teenager is such a good word. Right. Like you see so much with one word. Right. And teenage is even less syllables. Sure. And I could just paint a whole picture with one word. Right. So that's kind of what I built it around. Sure. Was that after part of me? Then yeah, obviously yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. So was it, it, do you remember though? I mean, you go from Teenage Dream. Well, let's, first you go and you show the lyrics. What was their reaction? Well. Did they, when they saw it, were they like, this one's it? Or did they say, write another one? And everyone- then you have to go back. <laughs> and then you say, no, I swear, this one was good. No, we had done all these versions and we had kind of settled on one of the sort of in-between mediocre safe ones. Mm-hmm. And I I drove up. I was like, I came up with it and then I was driving up to Santa Barbara and I was continuing to write it in the car on my way up and like recording it on my voicemail yeah, on course. my flip phone. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> because I could still do that, but I couldn't right. <laughs> call anybody. Right. And then... Um, I got up there and was like, guys, I think I cracked it. I think I got it. And they were like, we don't want to hear it. We decided on the chorus. Just finish the fucking verses. We're over right. it. We're done with you. Just and what was the song the called at that point? Do you I, remember? I don't remember. Right. It was just something. And they're like, no, no, no. Trust me. They were like, no, we don't want to hear it. Just right. focus on the verses. And I was like, okay. So I went in and Katie and I were ping-ponging back right. and forth on the verses. And I said, you know, you think I'm pretty without any makeup on? And, uh, and she had this you know, build a fort out of sheets thing and right. um, my missing puzzle piece. And she had all these great ideas. And 
I told her about Teenage Dream. I was like, Katie, listen, right. I had this idea coming up. Like, what do you think about this? I knew she was going to love it because we have the same brain. Right. And she was like, oh, my God, that's it. Like, nailed it. And I was like, okay, we got we to gotta sell it to Max and Luke now. Because <laughs> a lot of times it was me and Katie versus Max and Luke. And we kind of had to talk them into our ideas. <laughs> um, so we went in together and... I was like, okay, guys, like, I think, I think we got it. And then I sang it to them, and Max Martin looks at me and goes, well, why didn't you say so? I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. So, and amazing. then everyone's like, that's it, boom, right. got it, great. Sure. And then that kind of transformed the whole thing. What was, um, in that environment where you're walking in, and the, it seems like there's like a no first policy, if you're going <laughs> in and saying, like, I have this idea, and they're like, we don't want to hear it, just do this. Mm-hmm. You know, do you find that the that box allows you to be more creative or does that actually hinder the creativity? I learned so much and I'm so grateful that I started out with Max and Luke because Uh it is a very regimented formulaic way of writing Uh and that pushes me to learn to get creative within a smaller frame, which is harder to do than just like, oh, just write anything you want and you can just, it's just free flow and whatever. Like anyone can do that. But to try to solve a million dollar word puzzle is more of a challenge and I like that. Yeah. And I appreciate the cleanliness of it. Yeah. I the tidiness. Too, yes, sure. I really love tidy pop music. When we were in Nashville, I was saying where I, I I kept going there and every time I would go there I would try to trim up these lyrics so that they would fit what we do where mm-hmm. it's really symmetrical and it's so it makes it more memorable. Even if the Rhythm is unique, but you mm-hmm. still try to keep it symmetrical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But by trimming off some of that other, the other words that you'd get in other genres, you lose the fat, which also has the flavor in it. Yes. So it's hard to find flavor in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, and there are other genres that thrive on that extra word. Totally. You know, and, that you know, extra rhythm. It's, it's funny. I I started out classically trained. I grew uh-huh. up like meticulously classically trained. I was in choir and all right. that. And so I really had to unlearn that. Right. And then I learned how to make pop music. And then I learned how to write a perfect, tidy pop song. And right. now I'm unlearning that. Interesting. So I'm glad that I have Why are foundation. you unlearning it? Because things have changed, you know. For you as an artist or you as a writer or in the industry? In the industry. I think yeah. the sound has changed. Things right. are looser now. Yeah. Things are more, um, it's just more abstract uh-huh. in a lot of ways, which I appreciate. Right. You know, and that's what I love about pop music is that it's constantly evolving. Sure. Um, and that makes it the most challenging genre, I think, of all. Right. And people think that pop music is just, oh, you're just so stupid and simple and throwaway. But right. it is the most difficult sure. genre because it is constantly changing. Um, yeah, everyone thinks they can write a pop song until they try it. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, yeah, you're trying to speak to, you know— a hundred million people a week. Mm-hmm. If you have a number one song, you're at a hundred to hundred fifty million people a week in that one radio genre. Have to all hear it, and it has to be edgy enough to cut through. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, there's this such a tiny, tiny tightrope to yeah. To yeah. Well, walk. that's yeah. The hard part is finding that flavor that's unique because right. I can write a canned pop song. Right. I can write twenty yeah. of them in a day. It's yeah. easy. It's finding that one X factor that's a little bit sure. different that sets it apart. And that's the lyri- where the value of lyrics are that, I mean, I guess this is sort of one, in quotes, top liner <laughs> talking to another that you know, 
there are so many tracks that can sound edgy, but you can't go to radio with just music and you need a song and even that melody that's amazing, unless it's I Want It That Way, it really, <laughs> you know, without an edgy lyric mm. or a smart lyric, mm-hmm. it it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of what, like, the um, on that album, the TGIF record is the one that's, like, lyrically... How you got away with some of that is pretty remarkable. Because yeah. as much sex as there might be in in Teenage Dream, the TJIF one only because I know like we we have some friends in common and that that time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. like that's not as uh, fictional as people think. Do you know what I mean? Like you <laughs> yeah. go you go to the, some of these you go out on a Saturday and at that time and. Or a Friday, better yet. You, you know, you go out and and some of those stories seem much more nonfiction than oh yeah, no, fictional. TJF is Katie and I talking about our lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely autobiographical, and most of those things happened. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like when we met, I was like. I was Don the the barbecue queen. I was always having crazy barbecues. I still do to this day for whatever yeah. reason. That's my specialty. Yeah. And um Were you and, living in the same house at the time and everything? Uh no, I was at a weird little house off of, of Melrose. The barbecue house off yeah. Mel- Melrose. Yes, the first uh, barbecue house. Cool. Yeah. And I've evolved since then. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we would get crazy and that's what that song's about. And luckily we just have a really colorful life. Right. We both did. And we had such a similar kind of aesthetic as far as pink flamingos in the pool and smelling like a mini right. bar and right. my favorite party dress. And that was... Sure. Oh, yeah, the ginger ale line. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. I think I need a ginger ale. That was such an epic fail. Sure. I was really proud of that one. It's fun when you hear a, a lyric out in the universe here when you know that it's really about you. Yeah. I don't necessarily crave being a, an artist, but I know that when I have those lyrics out there and an occasional lyric that really describes my life, and mm-hmm. it's like, that's clearly about, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I always say about my house is always really about how Jackie and I don't go out. Right. <laughs> you know? And that's so funny. it's so shocking. I love that song. Thank I you. love that song. I was in a car with you the first time I heard it. Oh, my God. On radio. When we were, we Such had, a smash. Thank you. But we just, like, the fact that, I think one of the things that I'm learning about it, and you've gone through it a lot, but is how fleeting it is. Mm-hmm. That I was, the last time I was with you, it was, it was the first time I heard it on radio mm-hmm. when we were in the car. And I was like, oh my God, put it on. Put it, and, you know, we were driving in Nashville. And I was like, oh, this is, this is, that's cool that this song is here. And then, you know, it's probably going to dip, you know, this week for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's the arc of a song. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you know, in, in two years from now, it's like that was the moment of that song. Yeah. But you want it, that bottling up mm-hmm. thing. You want to yeah. bottle it up, but you can't. Yeah. Which probably makes it more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, if it just stayed, you would just get complacent. Yes, definitely. You know? Yeah. I still uh, get excited when I hear Teenage Dream or California Girls on yeah. radio. Of course. I still... And probably more now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look, it still has a life. Yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, because we haven't had other girls on this, and it's not because um, it's not because I'm sexist. It's not because <laughs> I'm a, a misogynistic. It's that there aren't a lot of girls in the industry. Mm. I know that there are, but I don't know 
um, I guess I know why, but I don't know why. Why are there so few girls that are producers? Why is it, is it, is it really hard as a girl or is there an advantage to being a girl? What makes a girl successful in this industry versus not? That's a super complicated question. For, um, there are, yeah, there are not a lot of female producers. I don't know why that is. Um, I honestly have only worked with a few and they were great, but I, I don't know if that's just, I don't know. I, probably girls aren't encouraged to do sure. that and they're told that's a boy's job, um, which I hope that we have more women challenging that. Sure. Um, I personally have tried my hand at producing. I mean, I, I produce in the old school sense where sure. I can sit next to someone that's making all of the music right. and go do this, do that. Right. So, like, I have production ideas, but as right. far as building tracks, I'm just not good at it. It's just not but my even, forte. Even as a writer, I'm not good at it either, but even as a writer, like, what's it like when you walk in a room, it, writer or producer? I mean, just being a girl in the music industry, do you find that when you walk in a room that people listen to you with more respect, less respect, different respect? What happens for a girl? And because I've never had this issue, right. you know, one way or the other, I haven't seen the advantages or disadvantages. Well, um, it's changed for me. Obviously, in the beginning, it was much harder. Um, there's a lot of sexual harassment, a lot of that. Um, but you just kind of—I mean, sad to say—you sort of get used to it, and you kind of learn how to read a room and know sure. when. What time of day is appropriate? <laughs> what do you mean? Is, what do you mean? Is, like there, there's some that? people that I I won't go to night to night sessions. Oh, interesting. Um, because people are drinking and things right. get rowdy. Right. Um, and there are some people that just don't respect that or say a lot of sexist things or whatever. There's just a lot of that. I am just kind of numb to it, and I just don't care because I know I'm a fucking boss. Right. So whatever. <laughs> and you've been you've been in it for a long enough, probably. Yeah, that's the thing is that now like people people sit up when I come in the room. People listen to me because I've proven myself. But there was there were many years where that wasn't the case, and I really had to like fight my way to the top. Um, But uh, it can be. I think it's an advantage as far as other female artists. Sometimes it's an advantage. Sometimes it's a disadvantage. I personally am really good with women. I, I love working with other women. Sure. And I feel like I can kind of capture what they want to say mm-hmm. um, lyrically. And yeah. they can relate to me and they can open up to me and feel comfortable with me. Um, on the other hand, there are some artists, big ones that I've worked with, that don't don't like women, that don't like working with women. They feel they feel because intimidated cha- or challenged. Or yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm always dressed up and, like, wear a lot of makeup and whatever. And so I'll be conscious of that. Like, if I go in with a girl that I know is going to be weird, I'll just go in sweats yeah. and just, like, not try at all and just be like, I am only here to serve you. I don't need to shine today. You right. know what I mean? And I'm fine That's, with that. That probably took a lot of practice to realize, oh, yeah, yeah I no, can't I had, show up. I had to like, have a few bad days and be like, oh, okay, this is not good. I should not come in acting like star. I shouldn't come in, like... Because it's not about you. It's not about me. Yeah. 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 Um, Are you able to, because, you know, something like Teenage Dream seems like a personal lyric. When you go into these sessions and you're um, wearing sweatpants, you know, are you... Are you writing still from that perspective of, is it still coming from a personal place, even with the other person in the room? Or do you have to, or do you also end up letting that person lead the lyric train? It depends on the artist, but like, for example, when I came in and did Part of Me um, uh-huh. for Katie, I 
when I was writing the verses, again, we hadn't spoken for like a year and a half. Sure. And she had blown up in that time. Yeah. And so I really wanted to hone in on what I thought she would be feeling. And one of my favorite lyrics in that song is, I just want to throw my phone away and see who's really there for me. Uh And that was how I was imagining, because a lot of our friction and stuff had to do with that, with like, oh, fame and like, do you only want to be friends with me because I'm famous? And there's a lot of weird shit like that in Hollywood. And um, Do you find that as a writer? I mean, there aren't that many writers that are more famous than you are. Do you have... Do you still get just hit up by random people? Do you have to deal with, or does it not work that way? Not not on the level that other people do, obviously. But, I mean, there are people around that, like, my close friends will be like, that person is an asshole. And I'm like, really? They're so pleasant. I've never had anything weird. And they're like, yeah, well, they're kissing your ass. And I'm like, they are? Like, I don't even know, you know? Um, So, yeah, there's there's some of that. But for the most part, you know, people don't know who I am. Right. don't really... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You were telling a story about, you know, um, when you were saying how you got home from working on Femme Fatale, Mm -hmm. from being in Vegas and uh, being super hungover. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know, 2012, right? 2011, Mm -hmm. something like that. So you're multitasking in writing. You have like 10 hits in, or I think you had, what, seven or eight number ones within a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Something just crazy. Mm -hmm. Were you dealing, were you, why were you dealing with it with alcohol and drugs? Um, Is that, is that how you were coping with it? Or is it just, you were doing it anyway and it just sort of was peaking at that time? Oh, I was Was it a coincidence that everything was going number one at that time? um, Do you know what I mean? You know, (laughs) honestly, when things started blowing up for me is when I, I mean, when I was working on Femme Fatale, I hadn't had a bunch of hits yet. Sure. Like, uh, Hold It Against Me was like my third number one uh-huh. or something that hadn't even come out yet. Right. So it was like I was still in my like fighting to make it. Sure. Place. Um, but honestly, when things started going well for me is when I started wanting to get sober. Right. Because I wasn't sad anymore. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's always like. I have a deep sadness in me, Ross. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it will never be healed by any number of number one right. songs. But um, why? I just felt. Why do you have this deep sadness? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's part of what makes you were me fifteen years old artist, when you though. had. Yeah, that's true. But you were fifteen years old, and you were already able to put your voice out there. Was this is the sadness from before that, or is yes. it? Oh yes, yes, yeah. When yeah. I made my first album, I was 
when I first got signed, I was 16. I moved to LA by myself and I was like, all of my troubles are over. My horrible, sad life is over now. Right. <laughs> Much to my dismay, it was only beginning because right. moving to Los Angeles on your own at 16 with $2 million in your pocket is right. like not really a recipe for like right. a happy life. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that all of my woes would be over because I got a record deal. And right. I see a lot of artists that think that where they're like, oh, I got signed. I can yeah. relax. Like, absolutely not. Right. Everyone has a record deal. That's right. the easy part, you know? It's making something out of it, making it work. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there have been, like, many... I've, I've had a difficult life. I've had a lot of personal struggle, and right. um, and it's really a miracle that I'm still alive, to be honest. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you go into how how is getting sober possible? I mean, at that point, you're still the, the girl who had $2 million at 15, blows it from being in LA and not knowing the value of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then but then all of a sudden you have this massive success. I could see it getting out of hand, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. Instead, you, what was the moment that you were, that you decided this is when I'm supposed to get well clean? I was humbled. I had all that money. I was an industry darling. Everyone was talking about me and I was the next big thing and whatever. And then it didn't pan out. And then I was stuck at Warner Brothers for six years and only put Mm -hmm. one album out. I was beaten down and humbled. Sure. So when I got it again, when it started happening again, I valued it so much more. And I really was like, I can't fuck this up. I can't fuck this up. I'm not going to get a third shot. Right. So I... I had so much on the line, you know, I was dealing with Dr. Luke and Max Martin and all of these like big names and like complicated contracts and like kind of manipulative, crazy people. And I just needed to have my head on straight because I knew that it was, I was easy to be taken advantage of. And I, I was signing things that would affect me for the rest of my life. Right. And I was working on things that were going to define me. And define my career. And I sure. knew that I needed to be clear-headed for that. Now that you look back on that era of, of sort of signing through all these contracts, is there things that you would do differently? Um, I don't think I could have. I don't think there's anything I could have done differently. I think that I got um, the best deal that I could have gotten at the time. Sure. I was nobody. I had nothing going right. on. And, you know, Luke took a chance on me. Sure. And Luke's deals are famously bad. Right. Um, everybody knows that. That's fine. He's a right. he's a brilliant businessman. Right. So he's getting his. That's fine. Right. And he gave me my career. Sure. And I felt that it was a bit of a deal with the devil. Right. But um most of these deals are. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just the face changes. Yeah. Um, and it was a necessary deal and I'm I don't regret it at all. Yeah. I he's that thing of realizing that it's it's not about how not to get screwed, it's understanding how you're getting yes. screwed. Definitely. And the more you understand that, the more you can deal with, yeah, well, I mean, I signed it because look where I was when I signed it, not mm-hmm. where I am now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and the people who are willing to sign you at that point, they're getting more because they're signing you and they're taking a bigger risk absolutely. at that point. And you know? I, I do think that's fair. Sure. I think that's absolutely yeah. fair. And um, so I'm incredibly grateful. And yeah. and. You know, are there things that I wish I could change in my contracts? Like, yeah, of course, we all have that. But sure. I understand why it is the way it is because I hadn't earned it yet. Sure. So I'm okay with it. Do you work with a lot of different – is it – like when you're in a session 
where you're the artist versus you being the writer. Mm-hmm. What's the difference of that? I mean, how do you feel like when you're sitting there and you're like, this is my song and I'm not here to write a song to pitch, mm-hmm. do your co-writers get that? Do they know how to facilitate your song? Um, yeah, I have I have my handful of co-writers that I work on with my own project. For the mm-hmm. most part, I don't like do a whole lot of outside writing for my own project because people are hesitant because I'm independent. And right. I understand as a professional songwriter right. what happens when you write sure. a song for an independent artist, which usually is nothing. And people's time is valuable. And right. I understand that. So I try to kind of keep that time for myself and only call upon really close friends and right. colleagues that I trust and I know are going to be into it because I have a lot of guilt about it where I'm just like, I don't want to waste anybody's time on my project. And oh, right. I just, I'm very self-loathing and I, whatever, I have a lot of self-worth issues um, that I'm working through now through hypnotism and shamanism. So, oh, that's interesting. No do you go, do you have a shaman? <laughs> um, I just went to this crazy retreat in the desert and did some like sound healing, which uh-huh. was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I think part of like being self-loathing and whatever, it's just part of being an artist. And I think it right. makes me able to relate to people more. And sure. I think things come out of me that wouldn't if I just yeah. thought I was Kanye all the time. Sure. Um, <laughs> but look at what his music's done since his, as his, his ego got bigger and bigger and the music became less interesting because there was, you lost a vulnerability. Mm. And I think that it gets more into music and less about song and yeah. more about music and less about the lyric. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, yes, Kanye's a genius. I'm not, it's, it's fine what it, what it is, you know, but there's an inverse relationship there. I think the more insecure you are, the more people can relate to you. Yeah. Nobody's out there being saying, I'm worth more than half the planet, you know, in real mm-hmm. life, you know? <laughs> and so you can say all that, but no one gives a shit. Yeah. And they really want to hear that vulnerability. They want to mm-hmm. hear the the artist that's struggling through who they are in the world mm-hmm. and what it's like to... Um, to go from rags to riches to rags to riches. Mm-hmm. They want to know those stories and they want that honesty of of what it's like to emotionally be on top and then at the bottom and the top yeah. and the bottom. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear the guy who's like, I'm the shit all the time. Yeah. Nobody g- cares about you. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. most of the country is not doing well. Yeah. You know, or so so we think, or like has at least bad days, let's say that. You know? you know what song I love is the 21 Pilots song. Stressed out? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, why? And that's like, what it's sort even, of about. You know? Yeah. And you even know? the first lines about like, I wish that I could put, you know, chords together in an order that was new. Like yeah. first line, I'm like, yep, welcome to yeah. my life. Yeah. And then I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sing and then it doesn't rhyme. It was just yeah. really brilliantly done. It and is. also their other new song, I forget what it's called. Ride? Ride. It's yeah. great. I, yeah. I really, Ricky produced that. Yeah, downstairs. I absolutely love that project. I'm yeah. excited to see what they do. It's yeah. really, really rare that I hear something on the radio and I'm like, I feel inspired. I want yeah. to know more about this. Did you feel like you wish you wrote it or did you hear that and you were actually thinking? I got to be like, a fan when I heard fun. it. I got to be like, It feels Thank like music you. we kind of grew up with a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's like a little bit of trip hop in there. Yeah. And there's and there's even like that sublime style yeah. of, of these lyrics are really honest and don't work in pop music. Mm-hmm. So when it works in pop music, you're like, I, I'm so envious mm-hmm. 
of that confidence from both the label standpoint and the you know and the artists you know i mean you want to work with labels that are willing to say this is a, this is great what label are they on i think they're on atlantic mm. you know yeah. um they also have melanie martinez who's i love her yeah I could see you killing that project. I love her. I'm I'm such yeah. a fan. I met her at um, Katie's Grammy party, which uh-huh. was so much fun. It was only artists and producers and writers. Cool. No, like, industry people. Yeah. Was that that, what was it called? Didn't she have a name for it? Yeah. The like creators. The or creators. Yeah, creators. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was the most fun party, industry party I've ever been to. Yeah. So, so great. Cool. But anyway, so she was there. Um, I wasn't invited. Okay, well, maybe next year. Where's my you know? invitation? <laughs> <laughs> this keeps happening to me. <laughs> What's, where's my, my invitation? Uh, my address is really the same, guys. My address hasn't changed. I'll let her know. I'll let her know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I met Melanie Martinez there, and yeah. I just think she's so fascinating. And, yeah. you know, she's had a great platform with, she was on The Voice, right? I don't know. Or, yeah, I think she was on one of those really? singing things. Yeah. Because huh. um, when I went online and I was looking at her, her videos, which I love so much. Yeah. Her I was like, wow, these great. have a lot of views. And I was like, how is it? And then she came from TV. Well, she was, a, um, she's got a lot. I could see you getting really involved in it because there aren't a lot of, like, I can't, if, if somebody asked me for a video treatment of a song, it will be terrible. It'll probably have a pug <laughs> in it and like nothing else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to do videos. <laughs> and she does, she directs all of her own videos. Oh, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. and that's really your vibe in a yeah. lot of ways where it's like, I have an idea, here's a song, now I see it. And to me, I'm like, here's a song, I see nothing. <laughs> and that's I so hope funny. that somebody else sees it. See, every, since I was a little girl, <laughs> since I first started writing songs when I was a little girl, I always paired it with a music video in my head. I always saw the video. Sure. And It explains your lyrics. I mean, mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't always have to. Like that's, I think literal sure. literal ones are kind of a thing of the nineties, right. um, and literal I, literal videos, videos where it's yeah. just like here's the story that you're listening to, right. you know. Um, but why why is that the nine? That's not a nineties thing. That's like a a nineteen fifties Sondheim going on stage thing. I mean, it's just putting it on camera. I yeah. mean, the idea of of it's essentially a musical. Yeah. Like you see mm-hmm. it as a musical, yeah, which like I little... see it too. And I remember when people would say, this is not, um, they'd, like they'd hear these songs and say, yeah, but these lyrics don't work for TV because they're too descriptive. Uh, they mm-hmm. used to always say that. And I used to be like, well, what, what do you want? It? You just want this bland lyric. Right. I would much rather have the song. I'd rather hear TGIF than, than almost any song because mm-hmm. I'm there in this story. I feel like I'm in the... the yeah. You know, I'm watching the movie. Uh-huh. I almost don't need to see the music video. Yeah, the music yeah, video yeah. is great, but you almost don't need to because mm-hmm. you're in the song. Yeah, I yeah, I appreciate a good story and good visual lyrics, and they're so hard to come by. Yeah, like I've been struggling lately because I honestly don't listen to a lot of music because I make it every day, so it's like a chore to listen to music a lot of times for me. Um, and what do you listen to then? I mean, I've been, I listen to the radio just because it's my job and right. I need to see what's happening sure. and what's whatever. Sure. And the occasional 21 pilots will happen and I'm like, oh, right. I'm glad that I turned that on Refresher. today. You know? right. yeah, of course, now sure. I'm sick of it because they're playing yeah. it so fucking much. Right. But, um, <laughs> but they're, or also I love my house. Like I never, yeah. I never change it when that comes on. I really love that song. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. So, but I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to get into Spotify. I need to get into the streaming thing. I need to like discover new music and whatever. Right. I listen to a lot of Alt 97, um, and there's some really cool stuff on there that I find really inspiring, but then I'll go and like 
try to listen to the album. I'm just like, I don't know where to look for this shit. And then I'm like, oh, I, I like this one song and then I'll listen to the rest of it. And I'm like, the thing that's lacking for me, I just had this realization last night because I like rushed home to get something on Spotify that I heard on the radio. And I was like, the lyrics so, aren't there. Yeah. If I, I, it's so hard for me to find something with a good lyric, which is why I love Lana Del Rey so much. Yeah. Um, I want every line to be a picture or yeah. like a real emotion. Yeah. Like the filler shit, I can't do. Right. Like there's a song out right now that I won't name because I probably know the people that wrote it, right. just knowing the circles right. or whatever. But I'm just like, guys, really, it's not that hard to like come up with something that rhymes with body besides body. Like That's really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's there's, just lazy. It's, a, it's that thing when I listen to Tom Waits, who's like my idol, mm-hmm. you know, or Merle Haggard. These people who have these really incredibly descriptive, like, you're pretty sure Merle Haggard will kill you. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that if I'm in a bar with that guy and I say something wrong, he'll just cut me, you know? (laughs) And I believe it. And I don't know if he's really like that. I mean, I've seen him in live before. So he's, you know, he's a guy playing guitar. How vicious can he be? Mm -hmm. You know, but I listen to Tom Waits and I'm like, I see the one-armed dwarf in (laughs) in Bangkok. Like, Mm -hmm. I see this picture. Yeah. It's just hard to get that to radio. Like, who wants to buy that besides me? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure that exists. And you see that with those Katie songs, that when you actually go and do crossover and start doing the descriptive lyric, and it does work, that then you hit the jackpot. Because you actually, <clears> like, you you strike a chord with a generation that says, oh, this describes my life. Yeah. Well, there's got to be a balance between interesting, splashy, colorful lyrics and quality filler. There's got to be quality filler. filler. Right. I feel like dynamite is quality filler. Right. And dynamite also, for me, people don't realize this, is comes from a much deeper place. For me, it was not a party song. I didn't write the verses. I wrote the hook. Right. But um, I throw my hands up in the air sometimes saying, Ayo, gotta let go. I want to celebrate and live my life, saying, Ayo, whatever. So that was about just throwing your hands up and giving in. Yeah. And like handing it over to God. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. This was like a surrender song right. for me. Interesting. And it's turned into like, throw your hands yeah, in yeah. the air, like you just don't yeah. care kind of thing. I love that. And I'm so glad that people interpret it that way, but it came from a real place. But the point is... The best line of that, by the way, is sometimes. Because I used yeah. to be like... I don't think, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so operative word. It's not like I throw my hands up in the air singing Ayo. That's I throw my yes. hands up in the air sometimes. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's a that's huge a difference in that's that. That's the thing, because sometimes is like when shit gets bad. Right, sure. You throw your hands up. Right. No, you know I mean? get that. I love that. Like, I used to always be like... Yeah, I mean, that's such like a bold, weird way to say that. You're not saying all the time. You're not saying like, when the music's hot, when I'm like, when I'm feeling good, you're like, eh. all right, now. <laughs> it's just a realist. That's so funny. Yeah, well, that's because it comes from a like, when when times are tough. But yeah. you, you leave that part out because you want it to be a party right. song. But, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's implied. And- that's the best thing of, um, this is... I, I I think I'm trying to do that better and better where 
where you try to write this is a you know this is a party song but it's really uh it's a funeral and it's mm-hmm. like this is what I want my cho- the chorus is about like you know mm-hmm. welcome to my party kind of thing right. you know or the the idea that when you listen to it that you feel that when you're listening and passing and you're driving you don't even think about it and then it's your 10th listen that you're like oh there's something spiritual about yeah. that mm-hmm. that when you're throwing your hands up that there's actually like a religious Mm-hmm. Moment. Yeah. Are you religious? No. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You have a shaman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that um at the time were you religious? No. No. It it was just It's I, just but, sort of like was, a fuck it. Sometimes I feel like raising my hands because it's you know, I can't take it anymore. It was or a was surrender it, song. It was a surrender song. Were you were you going through uh, AA at the time was there like some yet, realization no. of so I think I was about to I think I was about to I was about ready to surrender to being an alcoholic right at that time who was it what was the straw um I think I was working so hard I was working so so hard and I like lost friends because of it I just had no life I became I was a complete workaholic yeah, yeah. and you know, and when you work and work and work and there's never any fruits to your labor, that can feel exhausting. And Sure. Um, so I think it was kind of that sort of moment where it's just like, fuck it, I just have to, I just have to enjoy myself and just let, let the universe take the wheel. Do you feel like you've, um, you're able to enjoy the fruits of your labor now? Um, no. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, because I'm just tortured. I'm just really tortured. I'm... Uh, you know, I feel like I've been writing that song so many times because I still work so hard and I still struggle. Like, not financially, not like, you know, I have a cell phone, I have a house, I'm okay. Right. But spiritually and um, artistically, I'm constantly at war with myself. What's and, success then? Like, what is the what? what is it that you're like, ah, I did it? What you know, would be that? I think I'd like to have a number one song for myself as an artist. As an artist. Yeah. And then you would do it and then you'd be like, Okay, now I can. Now I can be done. And then it'd be like, "Where's the next one?" <laughs> you know, sure. what somebody said to me yesterday, an artist who's done really well, and he says to me, he says, um, um, he goes, "It's like having a really nice dinner. You go in and you're like, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the most expensive thing on the menu, and when you're able to afford it, you buy it and you taste it and you go, this was really good." And it's super anticlimactic. Nobody wants to hear about it. The next day you have to eat all their food. You can still talk about it for a minute, but at some point they're like, nobody's like, hey, how was that steak from two weeks ago? Yeah. They're just like, and you have to cope with the fact that that was just a good meal at that, that time. That was a good moment. Yeah. You know, but if you're, even if you're an artist and you have that, it, all it's going to do is make you want that second, yes, third, of fourth, course. fifth. That's something that I have to grapple with like I have to make peace with that because I'm like again like statistically it's unlikely that I would ever have another hit again so I'm like as a writer or as an artist or both both yeah so I have to make peace with that and I have to like find my joy in something other than success and I haven't learned how to do that yet because it's all that I think about from the moment I open my eyes to the moment I go to sleep at night what if you just retired I thought about it. There's a part of me that, that I could see just saying, you know, this is, <clears throat> I've done really well. Mm-hmm. 
dope. Yeah. No. And I, just be like, and uh, and like, I feel like all my friends in the industry would be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you said, you know what, guys, I think I'm done. I'm gonna go and do like spiritual shit. I'm gonna go live on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go and do yoga every day. Yeah. No, I. Everyone would be like, applaud you. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Where I'm just like, I'm so miserable so much of the time. I make myself so sick, being right. so hard on myself and being such a workaholic and blah, 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 blah. Like, why? Right. Why do I do this? And I've done a lot of like thinking and praying on that. And then I'm like, a life where I quit, because it would be quitting, it wouldn't be retiring, it would be quitting. I'd rather die. Like, I would rather, I, I cannot imagine a life where I'm not still trying. Right. And... So I need to really learn how to enjoy the journey more. Yeah. Because otherwise I have a really miserable life. If you have a, (laughs) that's true. If you, I mean, if you have a hit as another like number one worldwide smash and you you probably will. I mean, I imagine that you're going to start working on, you know, I know Katie's going to be a a good project always. And and everyone wants to listen to that. And I mean, yeah, if I, if she calls me back, if she calls you back, well, Roar did all right. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah, know what you I mean? It's not like you've had. It's not like you don't keep showing it. But even if even if it's not that, I mean, the, you'll have more success. You can't take away your talent. True. This is something that I've worked on. Is that and, and I'm my wife's been amazing with. Is that I've had some emotional issues dealing with a lot of success. So where you think that because it's that stake thing, like this is. That's just it? ate it, you know. <laughs> well, you know, was it? It was all this work for that. But the idea, and and I've always thought, like, I've been so used to people saying, "You have the next single," and then pulling it out from under me, oh, saying yeah. somebody else just got in, which we all deal with. And sometimes you're the song that just got in, mm-hmm. and all these things where it's like no one can take it away. And learning to say that the talent and the ability for you to write some of these classic copyrights. That that is the end goal. Yeah, is to develop. Uh, you have a name that where you're respected amongst your peers, mm-hmm. and to say that 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 is something that can't be taken from you. No one, no matter what happens, no matter what kind of shady contracts, no matter who you've been in the room with, no matter what issues you have with certain people, it doesn't matter. They can't take away the fact that you write the best pop lyrics, some of the best lyrics in the last 10 years, and they can't take that from you. Yeah. And, you know, I think I I had my first moment of peace, of, like, true peace in my life when I had Teenage Dream, California Girls, and Dynamite all in the top five at the, at same, the same time. And I remember, like, sitting in my yard in my new house, my brand new house I just bought overlooking a lake, sitting by the pool in the sunshine yeah. in California and just being like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. I can die happy because sure. I know that I've made a mark on pop history. Yeah. And that's what I set out to do. Right. I had a very brief time of, of serenity. Yeah. And, um, and that's that gone. moment. That's gone. <laughs> but, that, gone. Yeah, but that moment, <laughs> that's really funny. But that, you know, that moment's still there. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, very- and it's like, I, it's, it, if you still look, and you see, if you still look up that week, it's still three songs that were in the top five. Mm-hmm. You know, last week I had two songs in the top ten. One of them dropped out this week. Maybe it'll climb back up. That's amazing. 
It's amazing. So am I supposed to be sad that one of them dropped out of the top ten? I know. Who the fuck am I if I I'm like? Do you know what I mean? It's totally we have very like, high quality problems. They're high, yeah. right, and I think it's important that um, to take stock. And if if I can give it to you right now, it's the fact that when you know we're having we're having the best writers that and the some of the best people on this podcast because. These are people that I admire. They're people that other people admire. They're people that have managed to cut through an industry that is cutthroat. Mm. And you have to be able to look at some of that success and be able to say that you reached Everest 10 times. (laughs) Some people don't ever get there. And to say that your goal is to go back up is just... It's admirable, and you have to view it as as somebody who's who who can do it because you know you can, and then not worry about the end thing. I know it's easier to say from my position than yours, you know, <laughs> in that place because I'm not you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we all strive to keep them coming, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to, on occasion, look at it and say that. I mean, you did it ten times. I know. I'm very lucky. I'm a lucky girl, and I'm yeah. and I'm grateful. I am very grateful. Yeah. Um, and I can always I can always say that. Yeah, no one can take that away from me. It's just what's next, and right? Like, I, because one of my big fears is like, you know, there there are lots of <clears throat> I won't name any names, right. um, but there are lots of writers that have a great run and then they fall sure. off. Sure, sure. And course. I'm like, I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be that girl. Right. And like, the sound has changed. You know, like. Which is why Katie might not call me back right. because that was an era. We defined an era and we killed it and we ruled pop music for yeah. five years or whatever. But the sound has changed. Right. So she may not want to call me anymore. Sure. She may want to call whoever's next. And yeah, we know like the, you know, the Matrix was the Matrix for a long time. Mm-hmm. Lauren Christie is the number four song at radio right now or number three song at radio. Really? Yeah. What's she's, on? On, she's on the G Easy record. No shit. Yeah. That's great. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's okay to have these like amazing moments, and you'll still have them because mm-hmm. they well, can't also, take away know, that talent. Even Max Martin fell off for right. for a minute, right? And then came back triumphantly with yeah. "Since You've Been Gone." Yeah, and so never heard of you him. know. There's <laughs> don't, know, don't know the song. <laughs> so there's. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's right. fine, but you know, I always have that fear of just yeah. like, oh God, what if that was it? What if that was the last hit I ever wrote? Right. You know, it, yeah. Right. It won't be. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. You're fantastic. Thank you so it much. It will. It will. It will all. I mean, I'm excited for when we do a reunion show in ten years from now, <laughs> and you're like, remember that time? And it's like you've had six more number one songs, or <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like each one of those is a miracle, and you've managed to have ten so far. And it's just, it's just a, it really is a beginning if you can view it like that. Thank you. Well, you I know? hope so. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'll die trying. Yeah, I so. love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank okay. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of And the Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed. Be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. 
And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silberstein from Mega House Music, and Michael White. Here's a sneak peek of next week's And the Writer Is. But I, you know, 10, 12 years of, you know, eight to 10 bands, so many demos, so many like band photo shoots in front of like the downtown courthouse and and just nothing but failure. Um, and uh, we went into the studio, recorded our first song. I went in, laid down my vocal, came back out into the con- control room and they pressed play and I was hooked. Yeah. I literally called my dad and I said, I know you just paid for four years of film school, but I'm going to go do music because this is my... What did he say to that? He was like, what the fuck? Or did you guys seriously get in an argument about A it? A little bit because he just spent all this money, you know, putting me through film school. And, it, you know, it didn't seem like uh, trying to be a rock and roll musician was a, a, a worthy endeavor to support yourself. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.